Grab hold of your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter 1. And, and we are going to begin to talk about what this season is all about. By now I'm sure you know you are in the holiday season. How many of you decorated and all that stuff already? How many of you make it so spiritual? You're like, nah, I'm not into all that. That's pagan. But the real reason is you're cheap. No, um, no. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Y'all decorated already? No? Amen. I saw a meme this week. Somebody put up all their dirty laundry and put a star at the top and said, there you go. That's Christmas. Amen. <laughs> God is good, but you're probably in the holiday season as it is that time of the year. They say it's the most. Sound like y'all want to sing. Amen. And so it is my favorite time of the year. Amen. It is a time that I get to talk about Jesus uh, a lot. I mean, talk about them all year round, but this year, this time, you get to talk about them. You get to bring it up. You get to, you know, let other people know. And so, you know, people celebrate Christmas in many ways, and there's many arguments uh, theologically over Christmas, and Christians always go to war with each other at Christmas time, whether they should celebrate it or not. Listen, I, you know, I can't tell anybody what to celebrate and what not to celebrate, but I do know this, that Jesus was, he was a, a real historical figure who was born, and he was born for a reason. And so uh, that's what, as believers, I focus on, and that's what I encourage you to focus on, amen? Anything else that we do to this holiday, it just uh, is extras, but really the focus is on the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so today I want to start off uh, uh, and let's pray and we're going to go into the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name and I thank you for your word. Your word is blessed. Your word is life. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to move in this house like only you can. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint your word today. I pray that you would lift heavy burdens. I pray, God, that before we leave this place, we would be filled, Father, with your word. The, the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, Father. Your word will always accomplish exactly what it is set forth to do, God. And we give you praise. We give you honor in this house for you are worthy of all praise, you're worthy of all honor, you're worthy of all glory. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, anoint your word, uh, allow it to really bring forth fruit in the hearts of your people today, those in the building and those watching, in Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say, Amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. When you read the Bible and you get to the end of the Old Testament, from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, you literally skip one page. Or if you do it on a phone, you just scroll up and the next chapter starts, the very first chapter in the book of Matthew. But what you probably don't know, or maybe you do because you're a biblical scholar, amen, 
is that that period between the end of the Old Testament and the New was about 400 years. 400 years is a long time. Come on, somebody. A lot can happen in 400 years. A lot can happen in one year. A lot could happen in three years. And a lot has happened in the last three years. There could be so many things transpiring. And within those 400 years, there was no word from the Lord. There was no prophetic utterance. There was nothing happening that we, we would uh, look to scriptures to to say what happened between that period. So we depend a lot on history. And between that period, that was the period when Alexander the Great, somebody say Alexander the Great. He ruled, he ruled, and every place that he conquered, he, you know, put the Greek influence in the Greek culture, and so the world was just being transformed, you know, um, and to be honest with you, Greek culture, Greek, Greek philosophy, Greek art, you see it everywhere. You see the influences of it everywhere from structures and buildings that we even have today in America to sitting in philosophy classrooms. Hallelujah. The, 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 it was so powerful that even in the New Testament, Paul quoted one of the philosophers. Right. And so um, the, 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 during that 400 year period, that's what was happening. And then uh, 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 this was a period too, also where we, we would have known of what is called the Maccabean revolt. This is where the Jews uh, fought to try to gain independence. And so um, holidays that are celebrated around this season by the Jewish community. And you wonder where in the Bible do I find that particular holiday? You don't really find it in scriptures because it occurred during these 400 years. And that was when you don't see these people existing in the Old Testament, but it gave rise to people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these were the, the, the theologians that begin to arise during this period and argue over stuff. And they argued over stuff like, can men resurrect from the dead? Remember, they went to Jesus at one point and says, Jesus, there was a man who had a wife and the man died. And when he died, his brother said that he can't leave the wife single. So the brother married the wife and then the brother died. And then another brother came. I would have stopped at that point and said, I think y'all should stop marrying this woman. Because it seemed like y'all just die every time you marry. Okay, amen. They went on to for, for a couple, couple of men married her. And then they said, when, when they all get to heaven, which one will she be married to? And Jesus had to stop them and say, y'all trying to trap me because this is a question about resurrection. And Jesus says, don't you know that when you go to heaven, that we are like angels, we don't, we don't marry and reap. So Sherry, you got to enjoy me while I'm here. Amen. Because afterwards, I don't know, you know, you... You know, hallelujah. Tough crowd. <laughs> Amen. But uh, so you see the Sadducees and the Pharisees arguing. And obviously this was a big deal because it came down to can people live again? And of course, Jesus came to, to rise again from the dead. Amen. So this was a big deal. And then eventually after that, the Romans took over. And the Romans came in like a storm. And this was all prophesied in the book of Daniel. And Daniel kind of saw these kingdoms as they arise and fall from the Babylonian to the Assyrians, to the Greeks, to the Romans. And then he says, there's coming a kingdom. 
There's coming a kingdom who no man will ever be able to defeat. Hallelujah. And so at the rise of the Roman Empire, the world is chaotic at this point. And the world is going through what it has always been going through. Rise of empires and the fall of empires. And so when the Bible tells you there's nothing new under the sun, there really is nothing new. There's always been tribal wars. There's always been classism and social class fighting each other and people cultures clashing and people ideology fighting one another this has always existed and so that's because men are fallen and men are always trying to find the meaning of life but when they find the meaning of life because that meaning requires submission they often say I'll do every other thing except that one hallelujah it sort of reminds me of Herod and y'all remember Herod Herod when Jesus was born was old and, the, and he was a mean man. Somebody said they'd rather be one of Herod's animals than one of Herod's kids because he was so mean. He, you know, he, he was a mean guy, but he ruled. And, and now that he was old and getting ready to die, this same Herod is concerned, where's Jesus? Because I want to kill him. You see, the thing is, is that he didn't want to, you know, he's going to die anyway. He's going to lose control of his kingdom. But the problem is Herod doesn't want to lose control, period. Because he doesn't want there to be another king greater than him because he wants to maintain control, not necessarily of a people or a place, but control in I get to say what's right and wrong for my own life. I get to decide what's, what's, what's true and what's not and there's nobody ruling over me. And we can relate a lot to Herod because once Jesus shows up, we don't get to make the rules anymore. And we don't really like that, do we? I don't like anybody else making the, come on somebody. You don't like when Jesus tell you you got to apologize that you were wrong. Some of us go to Jesus and argue Jesus about Jesus word. No, that ain't what it's, that, that ain't what it mean God. You've never argued God with a scripture. Like when you found out the true meaning, anybody ever had this experience? You found out the true meaning of a scripture that you thought it meant all your life. And then you got mad at God and be like, no, I got to go home and fix this for the Lord. Because it should mean what I thought it. Or you ever found out there was a verse that you quoted all your life that was never in the Bible? And you ran around saying it, you know, like things like, you know, um, God's works in mysterious ways. A lot of people just got rattled by that. That's not in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That one should be in the Bible, though. That one should be. There's a lot of things. You know, the Bible doesn't even say God won't give you more than you can bear. He says that he, he gives you an escape that we won't be able to bear sins. But we take that as God won't give you anything that you can give. He won't put more on you than you can bear. The fact is, you wouldn't, if you can bear it, you wouldn't need God. Because if you can bear it, what do I need the Holy Spirit for? He gives you a way of escape in that he gives you Jesus. I know that's messing a lot of you up right now. You want to go home and do exactly what I just said. You want to go home and look it up and be like, no, pastor's wrong. Bible's wrong. God, everybody's wrong. My way of thinking is right. And so, so we can get to a place like that where we are, 
you know, we, 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 we even want to argue with God. But the Romans took control at this time, and this was all prophesying and say this coming a kingdom. And this kingdom was going to come in the form of a man. And this man is the most significant man in human history. There's something that I love to read. There's a poem I saw. It's anonymous that I love it. I love it. And it just simply says this. It says, one solitary life. Listen to this. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up still in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held a public office. He never had a family, a wife and children of his own. He never even owned a house. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that one usually in this culture would associate with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was 33 years old when public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away from him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And when he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth at that time. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Centuries have come and gone. And today he is still the central figure of the human race. The leader of mankind's progress. All of the armies that has ever marched. And all of the navies that ever sailed. All of the parliaments that ever sat. All the kings that ever reigned put together. Have not affected the life of mankind on earth. As much as that one solitary life. And his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Men don't know what to do with him. The Bible says to some, he's the chief cornerstone. Know what the chief cornerstone is? It is the stone that held the building together. Remove it and the building collapse. And there might be a few people in this room, I suspect, that he's your chief cornerstone. That without him you would collapse. Hallelujah. He holds you together. Uh, make no mistakes about it. He's not just a prophet like some religion would like to make him. Hallelujah. Uh, he is the reason all the prophets exist. He is the prophecy. Hallelujah. He, he's not just a deep philosopher. He's not a teacher because he never gave you the option to say that about him. This is what he said about himself. I am the way. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He wasn't born like you and I. He wasn't born ordinary. He was, I'm going ahead of myself today. I feel like if y'all would help me, we'd tear this place up today for Jesus. Hallelujah. He's Jesus, and he's worthy to be praised. Let's begin to look at some of the Christmas story, and I'm going to look at a lot of these up until Christmas. And we go to the book of Luke chapter 1. Verse number 26. 
And here's the first point I want to make to you before I begin to read. For 400 years, the world looked out of control. Sort of like 2022. How many of you get the feeling sometimes this world is out of control? It don't make sense, do it? Come on, some of the things you see really don't make any sense. You just, we go along with it now. We, we know how to play along with it. Because if we speak against, com, if we just speak common sense, you're a bad guy now. I mean, the world is so crazy, right? One of the biggest companies this week made the news for, for advertising their clothing using child pornography. That's where we are now. And then they turned around and sued themselves. Try to act like we ain't got... It's weird, right? But they don't get canceled. But they canceled... Never mind. You're going too far. You're going too far. World don't make sense. You know? It's like... Thanksgiving was expensive, y'all. And there's a... Somebody, after all I said, <laughs> that was a word for somebody right there. Somebody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a war waging. There's a war going on right now, y'all. At least that's the one televised. The world is in turmoil. But I want you to know this is not brand new, the stuff that we see. There's racial wars, there's classism wars. And the more you grow old, you start to look at, okay, the tribalism, is it really race wars or is it really people behind it? And it's really classism and those in power just want to maintain it. And they just know how to manipulate us. Because the people you grow up with, all of a sudden you got to start to look at funny. The people who even share your skin color, you got to look at funny because it's like, if you don't share my ideology, you're not my race. That's where we are now. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. The world is confusing. world is confusing, right? Uh, if I go any further, I'll probably lose the church. No, not this church. This church is a ride or die church. Y'all ready to die? <laughs> One time I was preaching a, a message, right? And I didn't know how much this, this message, I, I guess I was preaching about being willing to die for the Lord. It's a sidebar. It's a joke, right? And um, so, 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 so I'm preaching this message about Jesus and, and how, you know, we should be willing to put it all on the line for him, for what he did. And it was a, 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 another church and the, the, the pastor of that church, he was sitting in the front and the message just got to him. And in the middle of the service, and this is a true story, he got up and he goes, time to die. I said, whoa, bro, whoa. That's not, that's, I'm giving off time to die vibes. It's not what I was planning to do here, but he was ready. He was ready. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That time ain't here yet. <laughs> we, we good. We could live a little bit longer. Amen. <laughs> but um, the world is a confusing place. Politics is confusing. Social media has ruined the world. It sure has. We continue to live our life through these devices. We continue to 
You know how many people are weird with each other because of what they see on social media? How many people don't like each other? And people use it as ways of shading each other, of trying to show you what I got and what I don't have. So weird. And it might feel at times, and then when you get older, I was telling, I was telling Julian this, I said, Julian, when you get to a certain age, the check engine light starts coming on. He, he, he laughed at me like he did then. He said, what you mean by that? He said, bro, you, you young and you eat McDonald's, you eat all sorts, you eating everything. Then you get older and everything you ate come back to say, ah, we ready. <laughs> you ain't think it was going to have an effect on you, amen. Come on, somebody. Told y'all a couple weeks ago, I'm on the stage. I'm rocking away. I'm rocking these kids. And I jumped and did a move. And my back said, no, we don't do that. We don't do that anymore. You stand still and you, you sing your song quietly and you let them jump. You don't jump. I said, what's up? Next day I had to come back and do the event again. I was on stage like this. Oh, Lord. Man saw me. I picked up the water. He goes, oh, back problems. I know that very well. He started, you got to do this. I said, bro, I don't want to know you. Check engine light comes on and you start to get confused from the doctor because the reality starts to step in. Here's something that you guys don't believe, but we all are going to. Don't say it, pastor. Don't confess it. It's a reality. And that starts to confuse you even more. Because then you look at your life and you're like, what's the meaning? What did I do? And, and the world has always been confusing. And it is in the middle of this chaos that Jesus came. Here's my first point, y'all. Things are never out of control. They are only out of our control. But they're never out of control. So while there's 400 years of silence and God not speaking, even though there might be a year of your life that you're not really hearing from God, don't panic. He's still in control. If there might be something you're going through this morning that is rocking your world, loss of a loved one, not enough income, families in disarray, and you saying, God, where are you? He's right there. Give him the control that only he has. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, in the book of Luke chapter 1 verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God onto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That word... Y'all want some Bible today? They argue over the meaning of that word. Some say that the meaning of the word is watchtower because of where the city was located. Some say no, it comes from an original Hebrew word that meant a shoot. And so, what is a shoot? A shoot is whenever you cut a tree down, and I've done this before because there's several trees. My wife is a plant killer. I'm a tree killer. If I see a tree, I'm like, move it out the way. And sometimes when you cut a tree down or you cut a limb down, 
You come back in a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and a shoot grows out of it. It's getting ready to grow right back. That same limb is going to come back bigger and stronger. And one of the meanings of this word is a shoot. And it's funny because the Bible says in the Old Testament that he's a shoot out of a dry ground. In other words, a people who were cut down because by the time you get to this 400 years, Israel is done. But then comes a shoot from nothing. It's so funny because this is the same scripture that when Philip, I believe it was Philip, who, who, who saw him or found him, he said, I think I found the Messiah. But everything we know of him is that he should have been from Bethlehem, but he's from Nazareth. And can anything good come from Nazareth? And people argue, did he, does that mean that all bad things come from Nazareth? He said, no, he just was simply saying that shouldn't he be coming from Bethlehem? But little did he know that he was brought into Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. The bread of life was found in the house of bread. David said, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When you look at the Bible and this stuff starts popping out everywhere, you just see who he is. The bread of life was born and, and, and brought into the house of bread in Bethlehem. And so here's this Nazarene. They ask, can anything good come? And some people say he wasn't trying to say, but it's the way he worded it that makes us argue. Because he didn't say, shouldn't he come from Bethlehem? He said, can anything good? I want you to know it doesn't matter where you're from. God can bring something out of nothing. Doesn't matter your location or your where you from. If when God, somebody ought to, you ought to know that today. My family status does not affect my destiny. The, the location where I was born, my culture does not affect who I am. If God wants to make something out of my life, He can do it. So the Bible says that. The place was named Nazareth, and he came to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Very significant. They say that the, the sinful nature of humans are passed on from both parents being human. We get for a child to be born, seed comes from the man. And so the seed of the man, therefore, is where the sinful nature is passed on. Of course, this is deep stuff that people argue about. But I just find it interesting that Jesus did not have a physical father. And... It wasn't in a womb that was... And here's, here's something else that you need to think about, y'all. When God got ready in his itinerary to say, I'm going to enter my creation. It's one thing to make the computer. It's another thing to go inside of it. 
It's, it's one thing to make a computer. It's another thing to be the software in it. God is getting ready to come inside of his creation. Do you know how humbling that has to be? Because now he has to abide by every rule in the computer. But at, make no mistakes, at any given time, he's still fully God. But fully a software. <laughs> and when he gets ready to do that, he designed human beings that the first place of entrance would be in a womb. I'm going to let that sink in. There's a popular cultural argument over what happens in the womb. The Bible says that when Jesus, when Mary went and he met Elizabeth, the babies leap in the womb. Is that life in there? The Bible even goes as far as saying that he was filled with the Spirit from the... And Christians fix their mouth today to join the cultural argument. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know is rough. Y'all still with me? Y'all like when I preach about Nazareth. Anything good can come from that. Y'all like that part. Julian, you the only one with me, man. Me, you, time to die, bro. Me, you the only one that's going to be on the front. Time to die. <laughs> to a virgin. This is going to be a complete act of God. Come on, somebody. The thing is, the Bible tells you that she was engaged. She's getting ready to get married, Mary. Come on. How many of you want to get married? I ain't mad at you. Marriage is tough. Hallelujah. She was engaged. She had a life going for her. She's doing a thing. Joseph is doing his thing too. He got a little jobby job. He's a carpenter, you know. He's got his little shop, his little business. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? He got, you know, he got goals. He got things going on in his life, right? And then God comes and sends an angel and interrupts the whole plan. This is the longest intro ever. But if I were to title this message, it would be called Divine Interruptions. Because God decided he was going to interrupt Mary's life. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something, though? 
here's point number two. Expect. There's a lot of things that you probably are expecting, but this one you're not. You know, when I watch, how many have been watching the World Cup? <laughs> My people's two people in Savannah. Amen. I believe that we will win. Not one soccer fan in this room. I got two boys I'm vested in. They go, I told my wife today, I said, let's homeschool them. I train them in soccer. You teach them up to 11 o'clock for the rest of the day. We out there. She said, who's going to teach them? I said, me. She said, no. They're going to school. I said, she don't see the vision, man. Sometimes people don't see the vision. You know what I'm saying? But I've been watching soccer, and it's, you know, the thing about soccer is that, and just like any, every sport, is that at any given moment, what is normal can be interrupted. Like the game is going so smooth and this and that. And you're like, ain't nobody going to score. You sitting there, you watch the whole first half, 45 minutes gone. They had extra time. You're like, all right, I'm going to get me a sandwich. You come back and it's like they start up again. They go 80-something. They about to finish at 90 minutes. And then like 89, somebody scores. It's like, and the other team is crying because they know they only got like a minute left to fix this. And the whole life is interrupted. In other words, you never know when the interruption is going to come. And one thing about soccer that reminds me about life is that we expect a lot of things. But the one thing we don't expect is the unexpected. But the unexpected is always guaranteed to be the thing that will come. So my next point to you today is expect. It is foolish to expect that your life is just going to go as you plan. Come on, you ever planned a vacation? And in your mind, you saw yourself on the beach smiling. And you saw everything you were going to. But when you got there, you were on the beach and you and Sherry was arguing. You were like, listen, I'm going to go in this water and I ain't coming back out. You didn't picture it like that when you planned it. You didn't think that the beach you were going to go enjoy life at, you were going to go drown yourself at. You ever plan something and it never go the way you planned? That's life, period. Expect the unexpected. And the only, you say, well, how do you do that? By always holding fast to God. Yeah. That there will be things that are unexpected. And in those moments is when I got to run to him and hold him the most. Most people run to God when the expected is happening. It is not when the expected is happening that you got to learn to trust him. It's when the unexpected occurs. And the unexpected occur here. The angel came and disrupted her whole life and told her that you are, and listen to this, y'all. He says, and the angel came, into, uh, came in onto her, verse 28, and said, Hail Mary, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and and look at this and when she saw him she was troubled not at him usually in the other parts of the bible they scared because the angel right the angel angel looked like that instagram angel y'all ever see them instagram angels it'd be like whoa i'd be scared of that too i hope that's not how they look in heaven <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all not with me today. But she wasn't scared at how he looked. She was scared. She was troubled at what he was saying. He said, you are blessed and highly favored. And she was troubled by this. 
Because I know we, we are accustomed to hearing this word favor. We use it a lot. I use it. I got favor. Come on, somebody. How many of you got favor in the house? Come on. Hallelujah. You skipped a line at Walmart. You, I got favor. Come on, somebody. You get a bill paid. Favor. You get a check unexpected. Come on. We got sermons today. Favor ain't fair. We go as far as saying that it's, it's so good for me that it ain't fair to you. That's unbiblical. I don't care who said it. Because what you're saying is essentially God is not fair. I know. <laughs> favor is a good thing. And sometimes God do give us extras in life. But in this context here, she is chosen for a task. And sometimes, let me tell you this, when you are living for the Lord, favor don't always feel favorable. You don't believe me? Ask Joseph. Who had a coat of many colors, chosen by his father, next chapter, beaten by his brothers, put into slavery, sold into slavery, then charged for rape, then served in a prison. Favor don't always feel favorable. Ask Daniel. Who found himself in a lion's den. Ask the three Hebrew boys. Who found himself in a pit of fire. Ask Moses. Who had to go battle a Pharaoh. Who once I saw the frogs. I'd have been like man take them people. <laughs> this man saw water turning to blood. And still wouldn't turn. And Moses had to go against such a, 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 a man. Who was power driven. That was ready to fight God. And go through all of that and bring those people out. And after bringing them out, just going up to meet with God for a couple, a, a few, coming back down, they worship in a golden calf. And they're getting on his nerves. That his own brothers and sisters says, does God only speak to Moses? He can speak to us. And had in his own family. I'm not even talking about the children of Israel. In his own family there was people talking against him. That God had to give his sister leprosy. And guess who begged for her? Moses said please God you can't do that. And God says okay. But she's going to have it for seven days though. <laughs> but he's favored. When you are truly being used by God, how oh, this say for everybody. Not, not, not when you are just doing your thing. When you are truly being faithful to God, you are going to look up to heaven and say, "What kind of favor is this?" And she was troubled by it because what's about to follow is for real. She's going to get pregnant. I never was with a man. The law requires that she should be stoned. What kind of favor is that? 
And then all the babies aged two and under this crazy man Herod is about to kill because of her favor? What kind of favor is this? Sometimes favor don't feel favorable. But I want you to know that when God gets ready to interrupt your life, God has a plan that he is going to bring to pass in your life. And the plan is not for you, it's for a greater purpose. Here's another point. I'm almost done, y'all. The angel came and said, you are blessed among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, fear not, Mary, but thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And he shall be called son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom. This is looking back to Daniel. There shall be no end then mary said unto the angel how shall this be seeing i know not a man can i say something to you today that sometimes when god calls you to certain things it looks impossible but look at what the angel tells her and the angel answered and said unto her, the holy ghost shall come upon you Last week I preached that Jehoshaphat was panicking and said, God, what's happening? And in the midst of the congregation, the Holy Ghost fell on Jehaziel. It's something about that Holy Spirit. That when everything seems impossible, when he shows up, he makes the impossible possible. And I want you to know when God is going to do something in your life, he doesn't need human efforts to get it done. Because look at what the angel says. Look at what he says. The Holy Ghost shall fall upon you and you will conceive and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold that cousin Elizabeth, she had also conceived in her womb in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren for with God nothing shall be impossible and that is my next point with God nothing shall be impossible you see if you move to with God everything is impossible but once you put with God Hallelujah. What are you saying, Pastor Rich? I'm trying to tell you that you might be at a place right now where something's happening. Maybe you're looking at a business idea that God has given you and you know he's planted that idea in your mind and you're saying everything around me screams that this is impossible. 
I want you to know that with God, he is going to make a way to take those plans off the ground. You might be looking at a ministry saying, how can God ever cause this ministry to take off and do what he promised me to do? With you it won't, but with God it shall be possible. You might be looking at a marriage, a broken situation. With God all things, with God all things are possible. Once God steps in the mix, everything that seems impossible becomes possible. Because when he speaks, everything obeys. When I read that word, the spirit shall overshadow you. It reminds me of the book of Genesis when it says the spirit of God hovered over the waters. It's just something about God when his spirit shows up. The atmosphere has to obey him. A wound that never gave birth has to give birth when the Holy Spirit comes. Places that don't normally give off anything has to do it when the Holy Spirit shows up. I don't know about you, but if you ever let that Holy Spirit fall on your life, hallelujah, whatever's barren in your life can come to life again. Hallelujah. You might come from a lineage where dad was abusive and you feel those tendencies in you. You feel anger. You have no anger management. You saying this is impossible for me to change. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit can get hold of you today and change you today hallelujah hallelujah you're addicted to pornography you're addicted to something in this room and saying how can it be broken which you on your own flesh it seems impossible but there is a power that can come up i'm no oh my gosh hallelujah hallelujah jesus said i will never leave you nor forsake you he said it's better that i go that he may come it is better that i go that he may come who's the he that is to come he is not just a thing he's not something you catch in church he's not a dance hallelujah he's not a court y'all ain't hearing what i'm saying he is very much the third person of the triune god he is god and if you've never seen it in the bible it's happening right here before the sun came the spirit was working in the womb my gosh oh god Oh God, when that Holy Spirit shows up, he changes attitudes, man. He changes things in your life you never thought would be broken. I might not have a church today, but I wonder if there's any person in this building who's ever felt the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life. Oh, you might not, you don't get it yet. Hallelujah. You look back at your own life and you see who you are today. You say, there's no way I haven't been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the old me would not react the way I react today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see the fruit of the Holy Spirit acting in your life. You see love, joy, you see peace, you see long suffering, you see goodness, you see patience, you see kindness, you see gentleness, you see self-control. Come on somebody, hallelujah. You can control your mind now, you can control your thoughts, you can control your anger, you can control all these things. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, all that looked impossible becomes possible. Now, what are you saying, pastor, that once I get the Holy Spirit, I can, like magic, do whatever I want? No, you can do whatever God wants you to do. 
God gives you a power that empowers you to do what he's called you to do. The problem with us is that we use the Holy Spirit for everything God doesn't call us to do. You see, when you read, I can do all things, it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say through. In other words, you can only do. You can't do in my name what I didn't author you to do. You can do all that. I can do all things. Oh, yeah. Fly. You can't do all things. You can do all things through Christ. Who does what? By the power. Hallelujah. This is good teaching. I'm going to buy my own book. Hallelujah. With God. All things. Are possible. And Mary said behold a handmaid of the luck at her answer y'all. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. We're talking about divine interruptions. I'm going to close with these three. Number one, and this is point number three. I know I skipped ahead. If what God is trying to do in your life feels like an interruption you might be too busy because God does not have a plan for your life he has the plan for your life anything else wasn't the plan So when God comes into your life, if you feel like uh, doing this for God right now, uh, breaking these friendships off right now for God feels like an ah, changing a career path right now. uh, These feels like interruption, God. You might be too busy with the things that he's given you in the world. That you don't got time for what he wants to do in your life. Second, listen to this, y'all. Giving up my plans for his in the end will cause me not to lose anything that is really worth keeping. A lot of times we don't want to give up our plans for God because we feel I'm going to lose something over here. But anything truly worth keeping, you will never lose following God's plan. If it's worth keeping, God is going to give it to you. The blessings of the Lord makes rich and adds no. Adds no. See that sorrow part with riches? Makes riches not even worth it anymore. And lastly, give God you. Not your assignments. Many of us give God assignments. We tell God, God, if you do this, do that, do this, put this in order. God, you know, I'm going to fast seven days. I need you. 
New Year's about to turn. I'm going to fast 21 days. I'm going to go full 21 days, Pastor. I'm going to drink water 21 days. I need God to do this. That's good. I'm not knocking it. Do your thing. Pray. But it's not your assignments that he wants. He wants you. He wants your availability. And the most amazing part of this scripture with this young girl is that after the angel told her all of that, she said, let it be exactly as you said. Don't change it. Don't fix it up. Don't do it in a certain, because when God sometimes tells us our plan, we tell him how to do it. Like, all right, God. I always tell you all this, right? And I'm still kind of trying to fix it for God. One time somebody came and they prayed and they said, young man, I just feel in my spirit that God said he's going to bring you before millions. In my head, I saw stadiums. Boy, I was, I was Michael Jackson for Jesus. Right, Vince? Inside joke. One day I went on YouTube and YouTube sent me an email that said, you've reached a million people that viewed some of your stuff. And I said, oh, wow, that's awesome. And while I'm watching this, I'm like, then I thought, is that the million people you said I was going to reach? Because that ain't the plan. That ain't Michael Jackson for Jesus. Because when God comes to you, we always want to switch it and say, do it this way. Mary didn't say, okay, God, well, you know, it's going to be complicated because I'm kind of married. So can you? She didn't say, God, you know, you. I'm going to refer you to the book of Deuteronomy. There's a law. I can die from this. She said, do it exactly as your word says in my life. Because if you're going to get God's blessings, it has to be done God's way. And this girl did not give God assignments. She gave God her. Literally, she gave God her and said let it be exactly as you said and I close with this in the book of Romans it says this and now therefore and it, it reads the way it's like after you've seen all this from Romans the beginning parts all the way up to this chapter it says therefore Present your bodies as a living. That word is not a nice word. A living what? Something got to die for it to be a sacrifice. Man, the world tricked us up so much that we bought into all this lies for what success is and what the true meaning of life is. And 
You know how many people are running around, I got Jesus, I got the Lord. And they're not even cool with their own family that they live with. It's me and God. God ain't part of your bitterness. There's people running around, I got God, I got God, I got God. And the very things that should be lived out in our lives can't be seen. I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me. Because I'm often guilty of giving him assignments and not just going to him and saying, I just don't know, God. Maybe you should do according to your word in my life. And maybe I will be able to see what Mary saw. Maybe, maybe one day I'll be able to sit back and see that miracle when she saw and she said, whatever he says to do, do it. He said, woman, my time ain't come yet. He said, no, I don't care. Just whatever he say, I'm telling you, do it. And he turned water into wine. And she watched that boy grow all the way to the time when he was crucified. And she watched him, hallelujah, be laid in a tomb. And then the morning of the third day, she went on away. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that when he was ascended into heaven, and the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, guess who was present in that upper room? Mama Mary. And the Holy Spirit came upon her once again. Oh my gosh. She'd been knowing the Holy Spirit working in her life a long time. That even when he's dead and gone, he wonder what she felt like in that room when she was touched by God again she probably said this new to y'all huh yeah oh gosh God help me to stop giving you assignments because I might miss the assignment you have for me maybe my life is meant for much greater than I've been trying to make it would you bow your heads and close your eyes in this place? God, this Christmas, God, I feel like I'm Nazareth, that nothing good might be able to come out of me. Maybe I'm not the right location. Maybe, God, the devil has been lying to people in this room. You're God and you're more than able. God, your interruptions are not interruptions. They're really appointments. They're really divine redirections. And help us, Father, to submit to what you have for us. If you're in this room and this word touched your heart, and you just want to ask God in this season as you get ready to close out a year to say, God, I don't want to wait till the clock strikes 12 on the last day of December to make my plans to be honoring you. But from today, I want to finish this year strong with you. And you want to say, God, I want to give you me, not just my assignments. 
and I'm prepared for any interruption you might have in my life. Stand and I'll pray with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. God, I stand with this congregation and I just say to you, Father, I know there's much more you got for all of your people in this room. That's why we keep coming every Sunday. We keep coming because we know that you love us. We keep coming because we know, Father, there's greater that you have in store. We keep coming because we see glimpses of you working in our lives every week and we love it. We love when your hands move. We love when you use us. We love when we become your voice. We love when you, when you cause us to be a, a, a ministry vehicle to someone else. We love when you begin to just do miracles that even our minds didn't expect through our lives. And God, I just pray that everyone in this room that is standing, you know their hearts and minds and why they're standing. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would touch them by the power of your Holy Spirit that God every life in this room that is saying they want to be used by you just the way you plan to use them not the way we want you to use us but the way you want to use us I pray that you'd give us the courage and the strength to really God do that because it took tremendous courage from this young lady to submit and father we know God that you can empower us I know you've divinely given favor to people in this room and you've divinely appointed them for such a time as this empower them to see God the things that they might be blinded to I pray in the name of Jesus right now that your Holy Spirit will take full control over every life that is submitted to you. Let your Holy Spirit rule over our careers. Let your Holy Spirit rule over our families. Those impossible areas, God, that we've given up on, God, we pray that you would touch and have your way. You're the God of the impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus a round of applause. Come on, you can do better than that. Give Jesus a big round of applause. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah hallelujah God is good amen. amen come on God is good amen, amen. hallelujah it's good to see you in the house of the Lord today hallelujah and I pray you were blessed by the word of God today I pray that you've been challenged today a lot of information given today but in this Christmas season make sure you take time to reflect on who 
Jesus really is. Amen. Tonight, I want to encourage all the ladies, amen, to come back 6 p.m. will be your service. Sister Sherry will be here, and you, I know you guys are going to have a good time, amen. At this time, what we're going to do is we're going to collect up today's tithes and offering. And so if you need a tithe envelope, just slip your hands into the air, and our ushers will come by, and they will make sure you receive a tithe envelope. Just want to say thank you to everyone who continues to give to the ministry of Church City USA. We are going to have, in the beginning of January, we're going to meet together to discuss our plans for the next year and to just let you know what we've been able to do as far as raising funds towards a new building. And so I just want to thank everybody that has taken up the challenge in any way to say pastor we want to be able to be a blessing in that area i just want to thank everybody who continues to give to our church amen it keeps the doors open it keeps all of the things that we're doing here going and god is good amen and i know he will richly bless you we are a church that does believe in tithing we believe that when the lord bless you you owe him a portion of what he's going to give to you. Amen. Someone said, it's not that you give 10% to God. is He lets you keep 90. And some people argue, why do we have to give to God? Religion is always trying to take your money. Hallelujah. Well, I apologize for every person that has used God as a means to get wealth. But the truth of the matter is, is that it costs money to do work here on planet Earth. And you're given, you know, and a pastor thinks different from, I was telling, I think Brother Ian this, there was an accountant who sat on the board of a church and him and the pastor, they always fought over the money. The accountant's like, keep saving the money and 20 years from now, this church is going to have a lot of money. You never know what we could do. And the pastor was like, no, let's, let's spend the money. Let's do what we got to do. And the accountant said, pastor, you don't. So they argued, argued. And the accountant said, I got to meet with this pastor one day. He said, pastor, why are you always so quick to spend, spend the money? Don't you want in 20 years we could, for the future generations, who knows what they could do with the money then? Pastor, said, that's the difference between me and you. You save the money for the souls in 20 years from now. But I'm trying to spend the money for the souls today. <laughs> right? And it doesn't mean you don't want to be wise for the saving of tomorrow. But the church is not a business. We're not, a, we're not corporate America. We're into winning people for the kingdom. And so one of the things we endeavor to do in this church is to continue to steward every dollar you give us to help. Thanksgiving, we were able to help a few families that needed it. And in this Christmas season, we want to continue to do that because, as you can tell, the most powerful point I made today was inflation is high. That one got the biggest amen in the church. <laughs> we want to continue to help people. And even in the process of us trying to save money, I, in a heartbeat, if it can save a soul, if it can change a life, we'll do it here at this church. 
And so I just want to thank you for every person who faithfully gives. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to give today. Those watching online, all the ways are on your screen. And those in the building, you can see the ways on your screen too as well. And so grab hold of your tithes and offering. And we're going to give to the Lord. Amen. I also want to say t-shirt season is out but you can you can get a t-shirt today you know everybody everybody's on there's a big shopping weekend amen so today only you get any t-shirt we got over there it's going for eight dollars eight dollars a t-shirt some of y'all waited all year long we trying to get rid of all the t-shirts so we could bring in all the winter stuff, amen. We printed a lot of shirts because we did a lot of traveling, a lot of events happened over the summer. And so we've got extra, but we're going to make sure you, you get a bunch of those, amen. And um, <laughs> amen. But uh, let's stand and we're going we're gonna to give to the Lord today, amen. Hallelujah, amen. God is good, God is good. Amen. Sister Savannah. Give it up for Savannah who held it down today too. And Kareen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. We're going to sing and we're going to close in prayer. Hallelujah. We can sing that same song as your breath in our lungs. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands to heaven. God, we give you praise as we get ready to leave this building. We worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We give you praise. 